Let's find our Bibles and let's open them to the book of Romans, chapter 13, and find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. You'll find Romans 13 on page 1764 in that book rack Bible. Everybody's Bible open, please. We love studying scripture here at Three Crosses. So we're in week three in this little series called The Honor Challenge, Giving It and Living It Where It Counts. Giving honorably, giving honor and living honorably is a vanishing trait in our culture. But God's word is really clear that we need to be showing honor and we need to live honorable lives. And if there's an area that seems to lack in showing honor, I would consider the area we're looking at today as huge. An erosion of honoring those in authority is all around us, whether it's in our homes, our legal system, our schools, our churches, our society, our nation, and places all over the world. People refuse to honor authority with amazing freedom, it seems. And I grew up uh, experiencing the rough edges of, of that in my own life and seeing my friends at school bucking against authority, seeing it in my own life as a teenager. There's something in our lives that says, I don't want anybody telling me what to do, right? And so when authority steps in and they tell us what to do, whether it's a parent, a teacher, a school administrator, someone in politics, a police officer, someone in charge, the captain of your softball team, whatever it is, and we say, wait a minute, who are you to tell me what to do? There's something in all of us that push away authority. But here in this passage we're going to look at this morning, God is going to make crystal clear to us that if there's one thing we ought to do when it comes to authority, we ought to honor it. And so with that, let's read verses 1 through 7 of this amazing text. Paul writes, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you, for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is why you are to pay taxes... For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. All right. Well, this is an amazing text. And I know right now some of you are a little uncomfortable already. Governing authorities, taxes, what are we doing? This is church. What does honoring authority have anything to do with our relationship with God? 
Well, I believe in this text we're going to find no less than six of the most important things God reveals about authority and why we should honor it. All right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk down this text and we're going to just see six of what I believe are the most important things that everyone should know about authority and why we should honor it. Number one, if you're taking notes, notice verses one and two. It comes from where? God. Write that down. Authority comes from God. Now, before we get to the exhortation of the text, notice that he says in verse 1, Paul writes, he says, For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. This is really, really big. Unless a person recognizes that authority is a part of God's design for the family, God's design for work relationships, God's design for society, God's design for government, all of these things, until we realize that, we will never really model what it means to honor authority. There will always be something missing in our lives. It starts with realizing that it comes from God. And this is why, by the way, I believe there's so much violence, crime, injustice, chaos around us, because people don't have an orientation of seeing authority as that which comes from God. And so everybody is their own authority. Everybody is their own sovereign leader, right? And this is the big, biggest problem. So to understand this, if you're taking notes, if you're under, if to understand this, we must first acknowledge God's authority in our lives. I mean, this is the, the key to this entire text, Until we come to the place of honoring God as our sovereign, we'll never really understand the lines of authority in our world. That's just the bottom line. And some of us are struggling with authority, whether it's at school, if you're a young person, or maybe in the home, or struggling, you're on a job, and you've got a boss that you don't like, and they're challenging you with things, and you don't agree with the philosophy of the leadership or whatever. And so you're, you're sort of just like leaning into that saying, I want to fight, you know. And you're not honoring the authority. You're always chiseling. You're always working around the system. And God says, wait a minute. The, the reason why you may be doing that is you're not seeing me as your sovereign. Until we come to that place in our lives by God's grace that we realize that he must be our sovereign, we're just out of whack, And we just try to live our lives with our own sense of sovereignty. And so, you know, I always look for this little thread. And by the way, did you notice in our text, there's no mention of Christ. There's no mention of the gospel. There's no mention of the cross. But I see in every text of scripture this underlayment of where it all starts with my relationship with God through his son Jesus. And I just want to throw this out because some of you might be here this morning. You say, wait a minute, I've got a problem at work. I got a problem at home. I got a problem with authorities, I've got a problem with the government, you got problem, 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 and you say, wait a minute, if this is, first of all, my relationship with God that's most important for me to get all this other stuff into my mind the way I ought to, then maybe God wants to speak to me about my relationship with him. And you might be sitting here this morning, you came in here because, I don't know why you came, maybe you came to worship God in your own way, you came to meet people, you got some problems in your life, you're looking for help, whatever brought you here, listen, the crystal call, the, the, the crystal clear call of God through scripture to say, I must be your sovereign, you must acknowledge my sovereignty in your life, you must name Jesus Christ as Lord over all in your heart, and that's the key to everything in life, that is the key.
Man, if there's one thing I'd tell anybody, you want to have a life that is filled with meaning and purpose and fulfillment and a life that seems to move along in the proper way, it starts with acknowledging your need as a sinner to be forgiven of those sins and bow your knee to a God who is sovereign in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is really, really important. It comes from God. That's the first thing. And I just want to throw out the question, have you bowed your knee to the one who has ultimate authority? And if you haven't, then today's a great time to settle that issue. You can do that today. God may be working circumstances in your life and you didn't understand why you're having all these issues and problems and God is bringing those things to to clarity in your mind so that you can bow your knee to him and submit your life to him. The second thing I would point out is that not only does it come from God, but it's something, when you speak about authority, it's something we all have to deal with. It's something we all have to deal with. Notice the exhortation of verse 1. It says, my Bible says, everyone. Is that what your Bible says? Everyone's a pretty inclusive word, isn't it? It doesn't say some. It says everyone. Now, some scholars argue that this is a reference to everyone who is a Christ follower. And I think I actually would go along with that, that argument. I think what Paul is saying is that certainly All people would benefit by recognizing that the authorities come from God, but Christ followers among everyone in the world recognize it more. We recognize that God's authority, that authority comes from God, and that we as followers of God must submit. We have no other choice. It's important that we recognize this because everything in our lives depends on this idea of submission. This is the way God has made it. There are many situations when responding to authority is important for the believer. Now notice that Paul uses, he uses the words and we translate governing authorities. It comes from two Greek words. The first word is exousia. That's the word that we translate authorities. It's the general word for authorities. And, and then there's the word archon, which is where we translate governing, which leans toward a governing official or branch or used of an entire body, like the historian Josephus used this term when he described Rome and Rome's uh, 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 government authority over the people of the Jews. And so we've got this, this term governing authorities, but notice in the text, let me just point this out, you probably didn't see it, studying the text you can see it, that only once is the word governing authorities used, and from there on out, it's all about authority, either in the singular or in the plural, authorities. And so the idea is, is that Paul may be zeroing in on the big issue of government, but he's probably considering the tentacles of other ways that authority touches our lives. And I've mentioned them already, the legal system, educators, business administrators, uplinks in the workplace, down to the team captain on your recreational softball league. I mean, whoever has the authority in your life, whoever is saying, it's my call, we need to, if we're under those people, to get under their authority. The same when we drive our cars. We are placing ourselves under the California you know, driver's code, right? And so when, it doesn't matter if you don't know that stuff. When you get pulled over, you say, yes, sir, what did I do? Okay, this is what I did. You don't argue. You don't say, you know, you're wrong or what about that guy or anything else. You honor the authority. I am under, I'm placing myself under authority when I drive my vehicle that way. 
But isn't it interesting that we kind of have problems? I remember when I first got my license, this is a great little story. I'm driving down the street in my neighborhood. And you know how when, you, when you're a kid, stop signs don't mean anything to you? On my bicycle every day, just ride around, no, no problem with stop signs. So I get my license, and I go down the street that I've gone down a thousand times before. It's like my second day of having my license. And I come to that little stop sign that I always go around, and I just started going around it. And here comes a motorcycle cop, and I slam on the brakes. He slams on his brakes, and he's looking at me, and I, I'm being like really gracious. I'm going like, no, you can go ahead. You. And he goes, no, you can go ahead pulls me over. Ticket. Second day with a license. I love that conversation when I went home to my parents. Hey, how was the drive? Great. Got a ticket. Okay, you know, those are, those are really fun experiences. When you're a kid, you want to buck against authority. You say, that's not fair. I've lived in this neighborhood all my life. But nevertheless, I'm placed under the authority of the driver's code. When it comes to authority, God wants us to know that it comes from him and that it's something all of us have to deal with. Here's a third thing I see about authority that everybody needs to know. Verses 1 and verse 5b, it calls for submission. Say the word submission. Yeah, I figured you'd say it that way. You don't like that word. Most of us don't like that word. We don't like to submit. We don't like that. See, even babies don't like that. We don't, we don't like the word submit. Now, Paul could have used a word here different than what he uses. He uses the word hupotasso, which is the word we translate to submit. He could have used the word hupoakuo, which means to obey. Now, why wouldn't have Paul used the word obey instead of submit? The reason for that, if you're listening, (laughs) the reason for that is because the word hupotasso, watch this, is a word which means voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, or carrying a burden. The key to this word is voluntary. It's a voluntary submission. Now, if he used the word obey, hupoakuo, he would have been saying that you place yourself under the strict involuntary obedience of every authority in your life, government, parents, teachers, administrators, politicians, keep naming the, the institutions and you can keep putting in, filling in the blank. But why would Paul seemingly soften the needed response? I'll, I'll, I'll share, maybe this is why. Because when it comes to, to authority in our lives, you know what God's looking for? He's looking for a willing, voluntary spirit. And the reason he wants a willing, voluntary spirit is because sometimes authority, are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. Sometimes authority is going to ask you to do something that you can't do if you're a Christ follower. Are you following Sometimes authority is going to say, this is what you have to do. And as a Christ follower, we say, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do that. 
Let me show you where this is in scripture. Just take your Bibles and go back a few chapters to the book of Acts, chapter five. This is familiar to a lot of us here, but it's worth, it's worth looking at one more time. Acts chapter five. And in Acts five, we've got the apostles. They are on fire for the gospel. They're preaching the gospel. And they get in trouble with the Jewish leaders. The high priest and the associates and all the parties of the Sadducees that were filled with jealousy, chapter 5, verse 17 says. So they arrested the apostles. They put them in jail. During the night, a miracle happens. An angel of the Lord appears. The doors of the jail are, brought, uh, are opened up and they are brought out. And the angel says to the apostles, verse 20, go stand in the temple courts and say, and tell the people the full message of this new life. So that's what they do. They go and they obey the Lord. I mean, they got, they got sprung from jail. That's a good deal. And they're out there preaching the gospel. So the next day, the chief priests and all the leaders that are now gathered, the Sanhedrin, which is the, the, the full collection of the elders of Israel, the ones in charge, they call these guys in. They go to the jail. They're not there. So they go, what's going on with this? How do we figure this out? And then somebody comes running in and says, the guys we threw in jail are down in the temple courts and they're preaching the gospel. Ah, that's where they are. So they run down there and they grab these guys and they bring them in and they say, we told you guys not to speak anymore of the name. We gave you strict orders, verse 28, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and have determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, speaking of Jesus. Peter, one of the apostles, replied, we must, are you watching this? Read it out loud with me. We must obey God rather than men. Huh. So see, there are times where you are called to do something that you can't voluntarily do. That's why I think Paul uses the word hupotasso. Because he says there's going to be moments where your call to follow Christ is going to be an infringement upon following the state or following uh, the teacher or following the boss. If you're boss, I've, ha- I've known people like this. My boss told me that I've got to lie to my clients so that we can get the contract. What do I do? I said, you can't lie. It's a sin to lie. So you have to tell your boss, I'm sorry if you want me to do that. I can't lie. If that costs me my job, it costs me my job. Or rather, here's another way I can do this transaction or I can present this in a way that I think will get better results and I'll do it with integrity. Oh, have a conversation like that with your boss. And your boss just may appreciate that or your boss may let you go. And if that's what happens, so what? God will take care of you. Honor God, do what he calls. You see, there's always a greater authority. Now here's the problem. If you're not a Christ follower, you'll never have that orientation, will you? You'll never be able to say, oh, wait a minute, this, this is wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Well, just because I think it's wrong. And so you kind of try to stand your ground and boom, you get nailed and you get kicked out of your job or whatever, just trying to do the right thing. Or you buckle and you do what your employer tells you to do and you know it's ethically wrong, you know it's morally wrong, but you do it nonetheless. Listen, you want to get free in your conscience, you want to get free in your spirit, you got to first align yourself with the authority of God in your life. And that's why, down in verse 5b, back to Romans 13, if you're there, it says that we should do this, we should honor authority not only because of the possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Now, here's what's going on with this word conscience here. Some people think that what Paul's saying is, um, you know, we don't want to break our conscience. There's something about when we defile ourselves or we, 
we do the wrong thing that our conscience kind of eats us up. That could be what Paul's dealing with, but I think the greater argument, if you compare this with the text of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and following, where the same word is used for conscience there, what Paul is dealing with here and what Peter was dealing with there is, guess what? We do this not because we don't want to be punished, but because we just know it's the right thing to do. In fact, if we just take that to the next step, here's what I see that I think is pretty cool. When it comes to knowing government, I know government as a Christ follower better than the governing officials that don't know Christ. That's what it says. That's what this means, I believe. I know better of what it means to be a good son in my family better than other sons who have the parents just like mine. I mean, you could take any relationship and just simply weave into the fact that a Christ follower, because of his relationship to the one who has ultimate authority, is actually more knowledgeable and more intuitive to why this is important. Are you following that? So when it comes to following you know, the government, or honoring the government, I should say, honoring the government, honoring politicians, honoring people in authority in our lives, we as Christ followers simply know better. We know what it means and we should, and therefore we have no excuses. So authority, it comes from God. It's something we all have to deal with. It calls for submission. Here's the fourth thing. Its purpose is for good. Say that with me. Its purpose is for good. Notice it says in verse four, to do good to those under it. This is, the, this is the desire of God in placing authority in our lives. Now here's, here's where we have a problem in the text. Because some of you, if you're an intelligent person, you're looking at this and you're going, but wait a minute, I know there's a lot of governments, if we're talking about government, or whatever institution, work-wise, society, whatever, family, I know a lot of people that have authority or institutions of authority who are not set up to do good. Right? I mean, Pastor Mark and I, we've traveled all over the world. We've been in, under regimes and governments that do not do good for their people. So what do we do with a text like this in verse 4 where it says, For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Well, there's two ways of looking at this text. One way, and I think it's a good way, is to realize that this is God's intention for all authority. God's desire for authority is to do good to those who are under it. And I'd go with that. That's all through scripture. That certainly models the character and the heart of God. So when you have an entity that is not doing good for its constituents, then you've got to figure out what is my proper response and the response may be in certain places to be uh, to challenge it, to confront it, because this is God's desire that authority do good to its people. God never condones uh, injustice or or uh, you know uh, slavish punishment. God is a, a fair God. He's a just God. Aren't you glad for that? We have a beautiful picture of the character and nature of God all through Scripture. So when there is a 
entity that is not modeling good for its constituents, then there could be an argument made that there should be challenge to that entity. Um, a good case in point would be some of the you know, govern, governments of the world or even looking back in history where we're a little more familiar with how this works. I remember, as you do too, during World War II and the, the rise of, of Nazi Germany and Hitler and all of that. And, and if you study that whole thing, you see that there were pastors who looked at this whole thing two different ways. One side said, God is sovereign, so we're going to just, we'll just, as much as we can, we will honor and submit to government for as long as it doesn't, you know, compromise our personal belief of scripture in terms of the way we treat each other. And so they're not following the government, but honoring that position and just trusting the sovereignty of God to work it all out. And by the way, let me just stop right here and remember this, that because God is sovereign, even regimes around the world that are evil, God has allowed for a time. And we don't understand the whole issue of why God allows evil. I know it's a big question, but if God is sovereign, if God is all-powerful, then things that exist today are because God is allowing it for a time, right? I mean, if, if God isn't, if that's not true, then God isn't sovereign. And God's up there in heaven wringing his hands saying, I hope this changes soon. And that's, that's not God. So God is sovereign and so he's, there's a window of time for evil to run its course in some ways. And all of that somehow to display the glory of God. But there is also the picture in Nazi Germany of pastors like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and uh, um, Niemiller and others that stood up against and in fact even you know, created plots and plans to take out the Fuhrer. I mean, these are crazy things. But believing that the evil was so great and that the injustice was so great that it needed to be stopped. Well, that, that's a messy topic. And, and maybe in your small groups this week, you're going to kind of dive into some of the tension points of honoring authority when authority isn't doing a good job. And that's something that you can talk about. How do we do that in a in a culture like ours, a society like ours, where there is governance and decisions made at government levels that we don't like. And how do we then adjust? There are things every day in the newspaper that I want to pull my hair out about. And so do you probably, whether you're on, you know, Republican or Democrat or whatever. There are issues that all of us don't like. And so we have to consider what is our, what is our proper response what I'm trying to show you today is that authority comes from God. We all have to deal with it. It calls for submission. Its purpose is for good. And look at verse 3 through 5, number 5. It keeps us out of trouble. It keeps us out of trouble. The idea here that piggybacks on the last principle is that good authority rewards good behavior while at the same time punishes bad behavior and rebellion. You know, I, I can think of individuals, friends of mine, who I grew up with, who had a problem with authority from the start. It started in band class. I'll never forget this one little guy. His name was Alan. And he was always kicking against authority. One day there was a substitute comes in, and she's trying to get us to do something. And she says, I'm sorry, you know, you're not doing the right thing. And he got a little, you know, a little mouthy with her. And to the point where she said, you need to go to the principal. 
And so he wouldn't go. And so then, you know, what do you do as a teacher? And back then, they didn't have, like, school security or whatever. So she walks over, and she just takes him by the arm. We're going to go to the principal. And he reels back like this. And we're thinking, what's going to happen here? So then he starts moving out, going to the principal's office, it looks like, or maybe he's leaving the classroom. And, and there was swinging doors in this room. And as she came out through the doors, he pushed the door back, knowing she was coming after him, Boom, right in her face, fell over, blood coming out. I'm thinking, this little gal, she was probably 25. Probably had the worst day of her teaching career. I can see her going home to maybe her parents or her husband or alone and just saying, this was the worst day of my life. This little junior hire that just obliterated her. And I remember he got suspended. The next year, eighth grade, he got expelled and then I remember he got to high school for a little while, and then he was in juvenile hall. And I would bet today he's probably doing time somewhere. You know why? Because he never got the authority thing. Now, he was probably a victim himself in many ways. I can't go into all the issues, why people, people have terrible lives, and maybe this young man did too. But I'll tell you what, you buck against authority in your life, the worst the thing that happens is if we don't learn how to honor authority in our lives, the rippling effect just gets bigger, the, the problems get stronger, and many of us know people in our lives that we wish, we wish they just wouldn't have pushed that one more time. I know people right now, oh, I just pray. People that are incarcerated today because they just never got the authority thing down. And, and sometimes that's not it. People are incarcerated for lots of different reasons. But the authority thing is huge. Can I just talk to the young people for just a minute? If you're, if you're a teenager here this morning, I don't know where you are. You might be sitting down here. You might be scattered around. The greatest thing that you can learn as a teenager is honoring the authority, the number one authority of your life, which is your parental authority. If it's a single parent, then you're a single parent. If it's your mom and dad, it's your mom and dad. The greatest thing you can do for yourself is to learn how to honor their authority. Listen, if they're not being cruel, I mean, if they're not beating you, if they're not physically abusing you, whatever comes down in your life with them, you should say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You should be as polite and as honoring of that authority as possible. It will change the rest of your life. When you get in your job, when you get in your, those are parents wanting to clap right now. <laughs> when you get in employment, when you go into the military, when you get your first big job, there's always going to be authority in your life. And people always look for that person that understands authority. Well, you can kick against that. Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're losers. Yeah, you're going to carry that the rest of your life and you're going to pay big all right, well, we're out of time. Um, there's one last little blank here. Simple. It should be supported. It should be supported. Here's the point. Notice in verse, uh, where is it, verse 6, uh, this is why you pay taxes. I know nobody liked that verse. Um, give everyone, verse 7, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. And here the picture is uh, sometimes uh, we owe money. Sometimes we owe revenue, the, the taxes is a little different from the revenue piece. The revenue is like 
Taxes might be government. Revenue is like state, local tribute, stuff like that. If respect, if honor. What Paul is saying is there should be a tiered approach that always sees honor and respect sort of escalating up. And sometimes it's even money that shows that we honor authority. I know we begrudge. There are things in government that I don't like. I found myself in a conversation with my wife this past week. You know, the vote's coming up, and we were having one of those discussions about different people. And all of a sudden I realized, I'm such a hypocrite, you know? Because the Bible tells me in 1 Timothy 2, 1, that I should pray for those who are governing leadership and authorities. And if I'm not praying for them, I shouldn't be complaining about them. So the Lord sort of dialed that back a little bit with me. He's like, okay, you pray. If you're going to complain, you better be praying because that's going to set your heart in the better direction because sooner or later, you're going to have to support this person. You might support them through taxes. You might support them through revenue. You might support them through respect. You might support them through a tribute of honor. But you're going to owe, and you better be ready to pay. Hmm. That's, and can you imagine a society that really got that down? Can you imagine what would happen in our church? What would happen in this community? What if we were the benchmark people for truly bringing honor where it's due? You may disagree completely with a politician. I do. But I need to honor the position of that politician. He's my governor. I don't like his politics, maybe. He's my governor. I'm going to honor the position of governor. The president, I don't like the way the president's acting this way. And maybe you don't either. Maybe you love the president. And I'm not saying I don't like the president. I'm just giving an example. I'm just saying, I'm saying, and I'm honestly saying, if there's something you don't like, pray for him. Honor the position. It is a hallowed position. It is a position that God himself has given. Okay? So honor authority. Let's practice that this week, huh? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, we said at the top of this message, maybe there was somebody here that um, needs to bow their knee to you and honor your authority in their lives. And, and this is kind of a messy topic, Lord, but it, it gets really clear really fast or much clearer when we bow our knee to you, when we name you as our sovereign leader and Lord, maybe somebody hasn't done that yet, Lord, here today. I pray they would not, make, not wait one more minute, Lord, before simply acknowledging as a sinner they need forgiveness. And forgiveness is free through Christ, not because it's free. It costs you everything. But we can know you and walk with you and follow you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hear the prayers of your people. And now as we have just a couple of minutes just to sing back, say back, pray back to you some things, Lord. May we not be quick to jump out of here, but to let this marinate on our hearts. Where are we bucking against authority in our lives? Where are we refusing to honor you by honoring those above us? We're listening, Holy Spirit, and now speak. Let's stand quietly. Let's let these few minutes now be a time to listen for the Lord. Thank you.